Welcome to our special NRF edition of the Omnitalk Spotlight Series, the series that spotlights the companies, the people, and the technology that are shaping the future of retail. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And we are the founders of Omnitalk. Today's podcast is brought to you in partnership with our sponsors, Cleveron, Scandit, and Firework. Today, we are pleased to bring you a special guest, someone we have been looking to get on the show for over two years now, and Anne, we finally got him. I am talking about none other than Jared Golden, the co-founder and co-CEO of Leap, the retail platform for modern brands. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, It's a real pleasure. It's so good to have you, Jared. We've been following your work for quite a while now, a couple of years. Yeah, at least. least. I think two or three years for sure. But can you start, Jared, with the obvious question? What is Leap and how did you kind of come up with the idea? So Leap is a platform provider. We have pulled together the people, processes, and systems, what we call our platform, to enable modern brands to do retail in a, what we call kind of an omni-channel fashion. Jared, I want, I want to hear from your side of things, like, cause I can't imagine, I mean, if I'm a D to C brand, like a Mac Weldon or an Ashley Stewart, like how are they coming to you in what state? Because I imagine it's like confusion. We, we are doing really well in e-commerce. We know we want to get into physical, but then what's next? Like, where do I start? I have to do leasing. I have to like figure out fixturing. Like, Staffing. There's, yeah, yeah. There's like so much that goes into it. Can you kind of walk us through sure. like how people are coming to you and then what the next like process is to get them set up with you? Some of our brands have zero prior experience in brick and mortar retail. Right. God, imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. And some have, including those two, have a pretty good deal or a lot of that kind of experience. Um, I think today the, the, the fundamental challenge in building a brand is it's hyper competitive and there are a lot of alternatives for consumers. And so to really capture the hearts and minds of consumers in, in niche categories and expand from there really requires focus, focused attention, uh, product strategy, investment in product and marketing. Mm-hmm. And then if, if that starts to work, it becomes a supply chain management challenge and, and scaling all those, those competencies uh, is quite a lot for brand builders. So basically what you're, what you're saying you do or the value you guys bring to the market, Jared, is you, 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 you had take an established brand online and you help it go into physical retail for the first time. You'll give it the operational tools from a technology perspective. You'll help it. You'll help staff the store, and you'll find the real estate location too. If I heard that right in the beginning of what you said, you guys will be involved in all of that soup to nuts, because, like you said, for many of these retailers, they've never thought about this before. You have developed the muscle memory of how to do that for brands to make it easier for them to kind of, kind of leverage a third party to, to do the workload, to bring about their brand in the physical world. Is that, is that correct in how I'm rephrasing that? It it is. Yeah. So it's, it's the muscle memory or know-how it's the, the people that specialize in these activities and decisions around real estate and running the store on a day-to-day basis. And it's the, the systems involved, which differ from what it takes to to build and run an e-commerce storefront. How did this come about? Like, how are you guys sitting around based on your backgrounds, you and, and your co-founders? How are you guys saying, okay, we see this need in the marketplace. Let's go prove out this model so that we can then take it to, because you guys have announced big plans here from an expansion perspective, which I want to get to later. But how did you get to that point? Like, how did this idea come about? And, and what, what did you have to do to like 
test it out and prove it out. The thought occurred to us that uh, there's not only room for, but there's a real need for a platform provider in uh, brick and mortar stores or omni-channel strategy for brands. And we just, uh, we gleaned that from observing ourselves and so many of our industry peers going through the same repetitive challenges mm-hmm. and, and just learning over time that a, a very high percentage of those, those learnings and, and challenges that you have to go through are not really brand specific. Let's say they're generic, they're universal problems, they're structural problems and risks that pertain to all brands in all categories. And we thought that's that sounds like the kind of opportunity and problem set that a platform provider should attempt to solve. Because if if you if you can do it, it becomes repeatable and scalable. Um, so that's that's the that was the genesis of the idea. The second part of your question about how did we go about forming the product and validating it? Um, so starting with that observation I mentioned, we spent a lot of time on whiteboards. Uh, brainstorming different ways to kind of package up a suite of services, technology, real estate, the parts that we mentioned. And we struggled for a few months to, to figure out what the right, you know, I'm doing air quotes. But what the <laughs> it's right, great, always great for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. What, what the right, uh, so to speak, product would be or service mix, if you will. And uh, we just a light bulb went off that we should just ask uh, brand builders that are doing it now and want to do it in the future. Um, thriving online, want to have brick and mortar stores, like we've said, have anywhere from zero to a lot of experience trying it and, and experiencing those challenges themselves and saying, hey, uh, CMO of brand A or CEO of brand B, um, what if we made an agreement to take all of this off your plate and abstract some of this challenging stuff, give you just enough control and customization to kind of drive the bus, but not have to do all of this, uh, this uh, trial and error and operational stuff that is a distraction from your core competencies. And we sold it, we, we sort of asked them in that way um, to attempt to get a, a degree of discretion in how we would go build it and execute it. And that was pretty key for us because uh, once you have you know, the, the, the discretion and the permission, um, you basically have a, a blank slate to build from. You have, you have the brand saying, okay, do all this for me. I care about, you know, they're outcome oriented, how, how it presents the end product to the consumer, my experience using your platform, but they're pretty agnostic on all of this inner workings. How does it work? What are the processes and systems that you use? And so that gave us the the white space and the discretion to kind of figure it out along the way. So so essentially, like essentially, the brands are licensing to you the right to own and run their stores, basically operate and run their stores for them, like on their behalf, right? So so tell us then as much as you can in much detail. I'm curious. And so like business model wise, like how does that relationship function? There is a license involved. The license is really uh, usage of the brand's marks because we're a separate company and we do operate the store under their brand name, logo, aesthetic, and even their, their ethos and, you know, customer engagement uh, right. means. And so that's really the license is just the technical right to do that. But um, that aside, it's really a service contract 
So, you know, in the early days of the company and in our space, uh, some folks referred to this and other platform providers as uh, retail as a service. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really think of it quite like that, but hmm. um, it's a set of services that we perform for the brand under that contract on a per store basis. So a brand can sign up to deploy one store or a hundred. And so because the platform provides uh, what we call kind of the infrastructure, that's the location where we sign the lease, we're the tenant on the lease, the the people and the know-how, right, that you've covered and the, and all the systems that they then do not have to go procure Mm -hmm. and uh, dilute their attention and and, and investment focus. um, It becomes a lot less risky, cost-efficient, scalable, and faster for the brand uh, as opposed to them doing it all in-house. Jared, I have to ask about the, these early days because Chris and I are entrepreneurs ourselves and you got, you obviously, we know you're, you've reached 50 stores in 2021. You have much more to come as Chris alluded to, but what were the early days? Like when you first started working with the brands? Cause I have to imagine there's a ton <laughs> of hands-on work. You mentioned like brands are really picky. They have an ethos. They built up this following. That's hundred percent based on their engagement and relationship with their customers. Well, were you guys at first just like, how are we going to do this? Or like, how did you guys put it all together? Sure. How did you get to the scale part of it? There was definitely a moment where we, you know, I, we made those pitches and, and took those meetings that, that I mentioned to get off the whiteboard and into the market. <laughs> and we got handshakes uh, and commitments from customers without having built anything. So there, yeah. there was a right. moment where we had signed LOIs and it was kind of the holy crap, are we really doing this now? Like, how do we even do it moment? Um, and we, we brought our commitments back to the shop and said, uh-oh, you know, can we deliver this at a reasonable margin? Um, we had full confidence that it was doable because we had that prior experience I mentioned building brands and doing, doing some retail strategy. Um, but we didn't know if it could be done in a way that would, uh, that once built and once in action would truly be called a platform. And what I mean by that is, um, can we standardize and framework, so to speak, enough of the people, processes, and systems components of this thing to be repeatable and scalable for each brand and across brands and categories? Or would we end up being almost a consulting company where we have a series of contracts that are each different and unique? For this brand, we're doing real estate strategy. For that brand, we're doing the staffing optimization. And for that other brand, we're doing a POS software. Why get, why did you guys decide to go that way? Cause it feels like you could easily have gone and fallen into the consulting trap. I remember, and the reason I asked that too, is I remember at one point when I talked to you a couple of years ago, you said some interesting things to me about data and data aggregation, uh, you know, within this effort, tell us, tell the audience more about that. Cause I thought that was one of the coolest things I've heard of recent sure. memory. That's a big part of the platform and, and our strategy and vision as a business. Um, but first is the first part of your question, why we went this route and why we cho- chose to start that way versus with the product first approach mm-hmm. is that we figured that the biggest um, hump we'd have to get over, the leap that brand customers would have to make, literally, I mean, that's why we called the company Leap, is huh. to wrap their head around the idea of another company manifesting their brand and representing their brand, their baby with consumers, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's what modern brands, I think all brands throughout history are most careful with, they're most 
uh, creative and adamant and have the most ownership and accountability around is their brand promise to the consumer. The thought of, you know, like you said, licensing it or uh, distributing that through third parties has always been difficult. So in wholesale retail, uh, in the old days of, you know, uh, uh, Ralph Lauren first doing that, for example, you know, his biggest gripe was they just aren't presenting my brand and the lifestyle and the ethos that we're selling, so to speak, in a compelling way, right? So um, we thought we should start with that. Let, let's, you know, they, they say in, in venture and lean startup approach, it's important to have the smallest, the tightest possible flywheel between product and engineering. And that, that in this case, I think it meant um, starting with what would it take to get brands to take that leap? And um, we found out and everything since then has just been engineering delivery, right? Now, the, the second part of your question on data. Um, so uh, in, in the original idea for, for the platform and all the refinements we've made since, we have always included uh, uh, this, this question around what would it be like if uh, a platform provider in this industry shared uh, data with its brand customers, meaning mm. uh, maybe share isn't the right word. Maybe it's provides, uh, provides, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it sounds so such, like such a moot point because in every other space, it is the norm that, that that takes place. So in the CRM software space, for example, when you sign up for Salesforce, uh, that is your company's data that you put into Salesforce's database that they provide to you. They may be able to do some sort of macro meta analysis on your activities, but they don't own the data. And mm -hmm. uh, when you unplug, you, you disconnect as a consumer, you go with it, you, you take it with you. Um, in our space, when a brand uh, you know, starts to do business with a third-party retailer like a Nordstrom or a Target, that is a transactional uh, arm's length distribution relationship. And the brand provides product to the retailer and the retailer engages with its consumers, its shoppers, and does not provide the customer data and even very much transaction data, you know, commercial data back to the brand. So the same has kind of carried over into online marketplaces when uh, if a brand chooses to build its a business on Amazon and be a third party as a seller, uh, doesn't get customer uh, records, doesn't know who's buying their product. And so that's why we see a lot of modern brands, especially direct consumer D2C brands, not wanting to do business there. Uh, that, that's one reason. Hmm. Um, so we thought, what, what would happen if we offered kind of a paradigm shift around data, data providing, data collection and providing? Of course, everything we do is uh, uh, compliance and I think even ahead of on the cutting edge of where uh, uh, data privacy rules and regs and cultural norms are going. In other words, everything is um, opt-in, not opt-out. Mm -hmm. And our shoppers uh, in our stores actually appreciate the things that we do with their, their transaction history and their, their data. Um, cool things like uh, asking shoppers if they'd like to help pick the next brand that we put in a, in a retail storefront in their neighborhood. Hmm. Uh, and um, Well, isn't, Jared, sorry to interrupt, but isn't that key to it too, in the sense of because you're operating multiple brands, 
you get a better sense of the customer too for on behalf of these brands too, because you get a sense sure. of what they're interested in across the whole spectrum. And you can talk to them in a different way, I would assume too, right? Exactly. So th this is one of the three platform advantages we talk about. Things that as a platform provider to many brands and uh, even now increasingly across different categories of, of uh, products and services, things that we can do that are actually quite easy for us to do and create a lot of value for brands and, and consumers that are very hard or impossible to do for brands uh, operating on their own. Hmm. So th this particular one around data is because we're, uh, we're seeing consumer engagement across channels, e-com and physical stores, across brands, and even across categories, we can build up a much more rich understanding of that consumer's preferences uh, in terms of how they like to be, to be communicated with, what products and, and price points and colors and everything that, you know, that they might like to hear about versus yeah. uh, dislike. And that is, um, that is shared with or provided with each brand on the platform in a fashion that um, is, uh, respects the privacy and the opt-ins across the board. So it, it is actually akin to a CRM provider in that way. So when you, again, back to the Salesforce analogy, when, it, when a business owner signs up for Salesforce as their CRM, their data is kind of housed in a silo, so to speak. It's, um, it's not accessible to any other customers of Salesforce unless they opt into a, a sharing uh, relationship. Say they install an app from the Salesforce marketplace mm -hmm. to do uh, mo mobile advertising to their customer list. In which case, you know, that app provider would need to access the data to do that. Um, in our case, that means that when we uh, do activations, like we, we had a Bleecker Street block party in the West Village, uh, New York City last week, and, or last, this past weekend, and I think we had eight or nine brands participating, mm -hmm. and they had in-store events and promotions and um, online uh, events and promotions that were all working together. And most of those were brands on our platform. And some were just brands that signed up in, you know, through the neighborhood relationship. That's really cool. And I didn't even think about the activation part of it too. I mean, my mind was still in, you know, you have all this information that you're collecting with the current retail partners that you have. And are you using that to help new retailers coming on the platform as they're trying to figure out, like, is it as simple for them as you have this like menu of services, like based on the, you know, your customer demographic, these are the things that you could do everything from like, you know, if activations to yep. buy online, pick up in store. Is that how it kind of works, Jared? Yep. The omni-channel transaction paths or operations are just like that. So okay. right there alongside marketing uh, activations on the menu and they're kind of modular. So they're, you know, it's, it's like a buffet style. They're, they all have sure. an on -off switch. So when a brand deploys a store on Bleecker street, it may be our 10th or 11th store. And we, we may have built up a, a customer file of, of thousands of active shoppers there. And uh, of course they can't get the customer data itself. That would be, that, that's inappropriate. If not illegal, it's, it's more about, when they deploy the store, they can opt into those sure. collective marketing programs. It's very similar to, uh, you know, in the old way, uh, two brands realize their neighbors and 
uh, the market right. at one calls the other and they do a back of the napkin deal to do a cross promotion. It happens in slow motion. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of built into our platform. Yeah. They call each other up and say, let's have a, a food truck party in the parking lot yeah. or something like that. Right. <laughs> same, same basic idea that you're talking about. All right, Jared, I, next question Two switching gears a little bit, two part question here. Um, one, just to level set the first one, to level set the audience. As of right now, how many, and mentioned, you know, your plans for 2021, but just to confirm, like how many brands do you guys have in the stable that you're working with right now? And how many stores are you currently operating uh, roughly across those brands? So I think it's, a, it's approaching 50. It's about 47 stores live in our, in our platform footprint. And uh, it's approaching 30 brands. And uh, we're in about eight markets and counting. And uh, we have hundreds of brands, let's say, registered and wanting to deploy stores. So very excited for the, the, the opportunity here to, to really um, grow our footprint and grow our platform um, as with and, and as our brand customers grow. So we have uh, in, you know, big ambitions, but just for the near term, we're, we uh, intend to grow with our existing brand customers and, and also uh, onboard new ones next year. And uh, we'll really be growing density in the markets that we're already in, as well as adding a few markets. Okay. So, the, okay. So then that was my second question then. Um, Cause as you can tell, I can tell by how Ann got geeked up on what you said just a few minutes ago, there's, there's a lot of stuff to absorb here. That's really interesting. And it's a really unique take, I think on what you got, what you guys are trying to do for retail. Mm -hmm. So my question to you very pointedly is, do you see an inflection point? Like, is there say some number of stores or some metric where you almost kind of expect to hand the operations back to the brands or the, the retail, or I won't even use retail. I just use brand intentionally here. Do you expect to hand the operations back to the brand at some point? Or, you know, am I thinking about that the wrong way that this can coexist and brands continue to guy, use you guys for national expansion? Plans? Yeah. Will they like, even want to? Yeah. Like what's your, what's your thoughts on this? Like wh where does this end up? Cause it's so new. Well, yeah, it's, it is early days, but these are, pretty fundamental uh, problems and risks that we're tackling involved with retail and omni-channel. So we may be young as a business, but these, uh, these risk factors and, and, um, and other challenges that brands have been toiling with trying to build their retail footprints and now omni-channel have existed for a long time. So um, we, uh, here, here's how we think of this. We do not think that there's a point at which it makes sense for a brand that has deployed stores via a platform provider, be it Leap or another one, at which they should bring it in-house, so to speak, or unplug from the grid. And that is because of the set of reasons why they would opt to do it in the first place. Um, those comparative advantages I mentioned, which we call platform advantages, uh, they compound and they grow as a, as a brand grows on the platform and as our overall platform uh, scale grows. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll give you an example. So we talked about data. So, you know, uh, aggregating more customer data and a deeper understanding of the shoppers in each market and in more markets allows us to deliver uh, smarter decisions to, to our business and for our brand customers uh, in, you know, more effectively and that are of more value over time, right? That one's a little abstract, but think uh, here's a uh, kind of a more basic functional one. We cluster our stores. So I mentioned Bleecker Street in New York where we've got over half a dozen stores and counting. Um, and uh, we're doing the same everywhere we go. So in Chicago, we're, we're on our way to 10 stores and 
in Austin, we've got a, a couple open and counting in LA, uh, coming up on half a dozen. And so by clustering our stores, we have a, a ability to drive the operational costs uh, mm -hmm. on a per store basis down uh, far below what brands would have to, right. have to carry in-house. And so the bigger our footprint gets, the more efficient it gets wow. and the more resilient it gets as well. So, um, you know, uh, let's let's do a scenario say a brand has 10 stores with leap on our platform um certainly there's um <clears throat> a cost reduction factor and, and a value add factor that we bring to bear but net of those things uh a brand could look at their their omni-channel PL and say well what if i i did that in-house um maybe there's a margin or a marginal value to capture uh, if I if I move all that in house and rebuild all that infrastructure, um, that would come at great risk and time and and cost and building up competencies that they as as we've established previously decided not to endeavor not to do, um, and to what end to maybe to build up to having those ten stores again that might cost more to operate produce less and then maybe that incremental margin is now on their bottom line instead of ours, or they could just add a couple stores on the platform right. and get the top line growth and more margin dollars and, and more customer data coming their way. So we think it, it's always more rational at the margin for brands to just grow with Leap versus to spend time and energy and take on risk to quote, kind of migrate and bring it in-house. Well, and, and there may be some people that do irrational things. There always are. That's what makes us human. <laughs> well, I love humans, but no, no, think, oh, in, in, in the aggregate and over time, rationality yeah. tends to prevail. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's kind of a mind blow what you just said there, but it also gets me to another point, which I hadn't thought of until just like literally just this, this second and it hit me in the face is technology is also a big part of this in terms of how retail is going to evolve. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine the way you're describing the model and enables you to be more nimble from the technology you're deploying standpoint, because you can learn like what to deploy with each new store that you're opening with each new brand that you're opening that store for than say a retailer that has to learn that all on its own through its own store openings and reinvest in that time and time again, like that's gotta be a huge takeaway from this. And not just tech, but also like staffing and all of the other things. I mean, what I was thinking, Jared, and maybe we can close up with this. I mean, you guys are almost re rebuilding what the definition of a shopping center, you know, what is from using technology from the ground up. Like this is where the, like you are essentially doing what every mall developer should be doing right now, where you're helping <laughs> yeah. create this like technical infrastructure that supports point of sale, that supports staffing, that supports, you know, leasing and all of the elements of going into physical retail what, what is next for you guys? I mean, I feel like there's so much opportunity here. Where is leap going in 2022? What other goals do you guys have? I mean, can oh, you, I don't know. We'll I'm build. kind of like, whoa, maybe we'll build stores in the metaverse. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would, I, I will not be surprised if I see that headline. Yeah. No, nor, nor would I, I mean, it, it, and I'm, I'm kind of not kidding with that. I mean, you know, the, um, the, the point comes back to the basic proposition that this is a different set of competencies. You talked about technology and people just now. Um, their uh, opportunity, you know, abound exists for 
um, our, our, our retail sales professionals and our corporate personnel um, on the platform because of some of the platform advantages we just talked about. There's cool and new and different value add things that we can do as a platform provider that brands uh, would like to be able to do in-house, but like we've established, just become uh, an offset from what they ought to invest in. And so we have incredible retention rates, incredibly talented, uh, high, high quality personnel uh, from front to back of house. And that's a compounding advantage as well, we think. On, on technology, um, part of why we like to be a whole kit and caboodle provider to, to brands is, I think one of the reasons why, uh, one of the reasons why innovation has, has been slow on the uptake and even stymied in some cases in the retail industry is that um, innovators providing point solutions that right. are amazingly mm -hmm. great or even transformative um, face such an uphill battle in getting adoption because yes. of the switching costs, the operational compounding uh, SOP changes that, mm -hmm. you know, the consequences of innovation, let's call it, um, innovators dilemma type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and for us, because we're a, a whole complete system, um, you know, we have that internally, of course, to an extent, but we, um, we can better manage that. So when it, when it becomes uh, sensible for us to uh, create our own POS system or change mm -hmm. POS providers, whatever the case may be, right. uh, we don't have to ask anyone for permission. We don't have to, um, uh, we're, not, we're not kind of entangled Mm -hmm. within other other providers and, and folks in the ecosystem in that way that most retailers are. And, and more opportunities to prototype it, I would assume too, mm -hmm. right? Which is an sure. inherent advantage and easier, easier, more, uh, easier way to prototype it as well, I would say. Sure. I mean, when we've uh, faced challenges and, and opportunities, we've, um, you know, been able to kind of uh, maintain that tight flywheel that I alluded to earlier between product and engineering and iterate through you know, the trial and error required to, to find solutions, find product market fit. And this is how we have uh, navigated the, the challenges of the last couple of years with the pandemic. This is how we've created new retail formats and different categories. And this is why I you know, wasn't kidding when I said, maybe we should be doing uh, retail stores in the metaverse in the future. Yeah. Uh, maybe each of our stores has a metaverse alter ego that has right. a, you know, we've talked about shop and ship for a long time. How about shop and shop and teleport, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the same oh competencies that, that are required to do, uh, to make compelling, engaging omni-channel retail stores, I think are gonna be required to do that in the virtual space, uh, space planning, uh, engagement with, with shoppers and consumers, clearly, crisply, simply conveying the value proposition of a product and a brand in a single brand environment. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I wouldn't put it past us to do that, that kind of thing. My hunch is he's already thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's certainly, oh, oh, you've already got the one-stop shop. But like you said, it's probably just going to be another switch on the menu yeah, right? pretty so soon. Then, like, yeah. do you want to be in the metaverse? Ask Done. Some brands yeah. can ask for it. Yes. Dude, done. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Jared, this was so fantastic. Um, Very informative. Jared Golden, co-CEO of Leap. Uh, we learned so much in this conversation about how to approach physical retail. I'm sure our re our listeners did too. Metaverse retail included in that. Uh, if people want to, if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about Leap, what is the best way for them to do that? 
Sure, best way is to visit our website. It is leapinc.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you via that. And thank you so much for having me, Chris and Ann. It was, uh, it was a real pleasure. Kudos to you, Jared. I'm excited. Uh, thanks for taking the time to sit down with us. We really appreciate it. And to all our listeners out there, be careful out there. This special NRF podcast was made possible through the support of the following sponsors. Cleveron. Cleveron is a full-service package handover partner offering in- and outdoor locker solutions to retailers and grocers worldwide. Cleveron has more than 13 years of experience and partnerships with the biggest names in the business. Head to Cleveron's LinkedIn page to get in touch with Cleveron's representatives here at NRF. And Scandit. Scandit's smart data capture platform helps retailers delight customers and automate store operations through unmatched speed, accuracy, and intelligence. From the shop floor to back of house, retailers can move processes onto smart devices while boosting employee efficiency and retention. Scandit also enables great customer experience services like Scan&Go and personalized promotions to enhance loyalty. Finally, Firework. Firework lets you implement shoppable, short-form video and live stream commerce on any website or app on the open web. Why rent a kiosk in someone else's bazaar when you can have a storefront of your own? Take back your business, take back your brand with Firework.